Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, emotion regulation, anxiety, um, transitioning to new things now. I know that there's always so much to talk about, especially when we're talking about trauma. And I know we're still in the summer, but we do need to start thinking ahead to this business of getting ready to go back to school. I know it's so hard to think about school during the summer holidays, but we do have to get ready now to prepare our kiddos. And so I'm just going into that sort of smooth transition back to school series right now. It can be a really stressful time, not just for parents, but for kids too, right? Um, parents, I mean, sometimes we don't even think about that, but getting all the school supplies and the first day of school outfit. So all that back to school shopping, but that transitioning to school can be really hard for a lot of our kiddos and especially our anxious kiddos. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a back to school series to help kiddos feel successful, right? Through the whole school year, have a smooth transition and feel successful for that whole school year. Today, specifically, I'm just going to be giving a broad overview of things that we can focus on to help our kiddos manage some of the school stress and school worries specifically. And I will be moving away from the stress and emotion regulation and worries just to talk about some of the other things to help with the smooth transition, which I'll start next week. But as stressful and nerve wracking as back to school can be, I got to say, going back to school can be really exciting for a lot of kiddos. And sometimes that overwhelm of excitement can be a problem, too. Our body reacts the exact same way when we're scared as when we're excited. But for an anxious child, they might misinterpret all of those physical sensations. And, you know, I've had a lot of kids think about that, think about the fact that their trickster amygdala might be tricking us to believe those feelings are of anxiety, but it might actually be excitement. So I do a lot of visualizations with kiddos just around, well, if they're up for it, right, if they're able to sit, um, but being able to sit with some of these feelings and sitting with their interpretation of what those feelings are. What if it's excitement? right? Um, but needless to say, even if there is some excitement, a lot are going to experience a lot of those back to school jitters. And so, you know, they're worrying about so many different things. It could be, it could be, are my friends going to be in my classroom? Who is my teacher going to be? Um, am I going to have anyone to play with at recess or sit with at lunch? Right? These worries are a normal part of growing up, whether they're in kindergarten or even in high school. Some, though, might be completely overwhelmed just thinking about having to go back to school. So we want to make sure we're prepping them to optimize that smooth transition. So starting off with confidence, if we can, that's going to be really important. So first, we're always going to acknowledge worries. If you know me, I've always talked a lot about how we adults always want to make our kiddos feel better. But then when we do so, we end up making things worse. I've said it a million times. Anxiety wants comfort, it wants certainty, it wants reassurance, it wants predictability, everything's going to be perfectly fine, I need to know exactly how things are going to be. So doing any of those things are only going to make worries bigger, right? We're robbing kiddos of the opportunity to build resilience, to build their own coping skills, to manage uncertainty. We don't know when their teacher is going to be or if their friends are going to be in their class or where their locker is going to be or who they're going to sit with, we don't know. So. On the one hand, we're not sitting and reassuring them all the time because that's the other thing, right? They're always going to need us to reassure them. They're never going to be able to learn how to self-soothe on their own. On the flip side, though, we're not telling them to suck it up. 
right? We're not going to minimize how they feel. Everybody feels this way. You're going to be fine. We're not going to be doing that because that also keeps them stuck. And usually it teaches them that, well, maybe my feelings are confusing or that I'm a big baby or that you don't want to listen to actually how I feel right? So they're never going to come with you about how they're really feeling if we're always minimizing how they're feeling. And and maybe instead we'll see a bunch of behaviors. Whatever it is that they're feeling, they're feeling those emotions, they're real. So we want to make sure that we're acknowledging those feelings. We're validating those feelings. Even if they say something completely irrational, which they might, we need to validate that this is a true experience for them. So when we're validating that experience, and by the way, this is part of helping them manage their worries as they're going back to school. When we validate, when they know that we understand, okay, you get it. They're not going to keep fighting to try to show us how they actually feel. Not going to hold on to them. That stronghold isn't going to be so big, right? We help them get unstuck from worries because you get me, you understand me. Okay, I don't have to keep fighting to show you how stressed I am because you actually get it. So then we can start shifting gears towards helping them cope more effectively. So it's really about listening. I'm always talking about listening, reflecting back what you hear so that they feel heard and really that you understand them. That's the most important piece. So we're going to validate those feelings. Yes, we can normalize those feelings. We're not going to try to get rid of them at all. That's never our goal here because they're important. We are always going to have these feelings. So again, we're going to avoid the trap of reassuring kids that everything's going to be okay. Your teacher's going to be fine. You're going to know people. Everything's going to be good. Doing that only negates any validating, right? If you've any, if done any validating, you're just minimizing that. Um, you're minimizing your kids' fears. You're making that anxiety worse. It's creating a dependency trap. They're just going to seek more and more reassurance rather than coping with anxiety themselves. I know it's so hard. We don't want our kids to struggle. But it's not helpful if we're always reassuring them or trying to get rid of those negative feelings that our kiddos experience. They're going to experience so many different situations throughout their life, so many different feelings throughout their life, right? So many different things that cause so many different emotions that they need to be able to know Uh uh-huh, I know what's coming up. I'm understanding what's coming up for me. I'm able to express my feelings expressing what's going on for me rather than shutting down or running away or screaming or whatever else is going on and develop developing that self-confidence and that resilience that they need in life. So if you're there always reassuring or always helping them calm down all the time, they're going to become so dependent on you. They're never going to build those brain connections that they have, that they can do it effectively themselves. And as they move into teenage years, into young adulthood, they might turn to things like substances for comfort. I see a lot of self-medicating, right? And, And that can often persist into adulthood because they never learn to cope for themselves. So we want to focus on validating their feelings and normalizing their feelings. By doing that, it makes it less scary. So of course you feel nervous going back to school. That makes sense. There's so many things that you're not sure of and worry likes to sneak in whenever we don't know what's going on. Whenever there's uncertainty, worry likes to sneak in. So of course you're feeling this way. You haven't seen anyone all summer. 
You have no idea who's going to be in your class. You have no idea who your teacher is going to be or what your locker combo is or if your locker is going to be in a sucky place or whatever it is. You don't know how your haircut's going to look. We haven't picked out an outfit. No wonder you're so worried. There's so much uncertainty and that's what worry loves to soak up, right? I can see that you've got a lot on your mind. That makes sense. That's what we're doing. Once we're listening and validating, our job is to make sure that, that they can start to self-soothe and problem solve and manage that anxiety that they're feeling. So instead of reassuring them or giving advice, our role is that of a supportive coach. Now, I'm not ever saying never jump in and support your kiddos. Of course, you're, you're, you're there to support them. You're there to comfort them in terms of I'm here for you. I understand you. If you want a hug, sure, I can give you a hug. I'm just not going to try to take it all away from you, right? And that's usually where we start talking too much. We're either trying to reassure them and console them, which usually doesn't work anyways. If you've ever tried, you know that. Or we're just becoming annoying now because we're talking too much. So talking less, touching more, being there, creating the space. If they want to cry and have a hug, you can hold them. That's okay. But we don't need to talk as we do it. We can be quiet. We're just giving them that space to regulate their emotions, to feel the big feelings, and to show that we understand. We don't have to tell them what to do. We don't have to take it away. They need that space, to be able to be aware of what's going on, to tolerate what's going on, to tolerate any uncomfortable feelings that come up. Again, we can never get rid of that anxiety or anger or disappointment or grief or whatever is going on in any situation. It's not just the, you know, worries about back to school, any big emotions. We need all of those feelings and they need to learn to tolerate them. But if we're getting in the way of those big emotions, right, and they're never learning to tolerate them and to manage them, they're going to grow stronger. They're going to be harder to manage. So when they learn to tolerate it, to sit with it, they realize that anxiety or whatever other big emotion is coming up, it's temporary. Feeling's going to pass. Right now, I'm going to sit in it and it's going to suck, but it is going to pass. And it's not going to stick with me forever. And it's not as bad as I thought. And I can do it again right? That's where we need to get kiddos too. Kids who can acknowledge and tolerate that anxiety when it shows up, becomes stronger and more resilient over time. So we give that space, we validate and we normalize, we give them that space. I understand you. Then when their prefrontal cortex is online, they can move into that problem solving mode. And when they're ready, this is where our coaching starts to to come online, right? This is where we can get meta. We ask meta questions or open-ended questions. So asking questions like, what are you going to do? What do you think the best way to handle this situation is going to be? What's going to help you? So rather than creating dependence on us to help them figure it out or to reassure, they can start to develop their own brain connections to work through any challenges themselves. And then they can start brainstorming. I'm here for ideas. I can help you brainstorm, but you have to create the plan and I'm going to help you guide if you need it. So, you know, if they're worried about mm, who am I going to eat lunch with, for example, well, what can you do to figure that out? Especially for the first day of school, what could you do? I love doing um, the circles of control. I use them for so many different things. So in the inner circle are all of the things um, that they might be worried about that are in their control. And then in the outer circle, so if you were to draw them, the outer circle are all of the things that I'm worried about that are out of my control. So for the things that are in my control, 
I can problem solve around those. Like, what is my first day outfit going to be? You can figure it out on your own before you go. So for the things that are out of my control, like who my teacher is going to be, we're going to work on acceptance there, but there's still things that they could be doing to, to figure that out. Like on the first day of school, they can create a plan of how they're going to figure that out. Or, you know, everybody's different. Some schools, the teachers post it on the door and then they go find out or like the school has it on the door and they go find out. So maybe it's those things. How are you going to find out who your teacher is? Right. But when it's out of our control in the moment, the other skills that I've talked about lots in this podcast are things like acceptance and tolerating the unknown, right? Those things that are out of my control. But the things that are in my control, again, you know, we're, we're going to have them break maybe their worries down into manageable parts. We're going to guide them through the, the process of brainstorming, you know, all the different ideas of how we can handle this situation. What are all the possible solutions? And then we can evaluate the pros and cons of each option. I would usually cross off a bunch. Like if you've got 10, maybe you narrow it down to the top two or three, unless you know for sure, Kate. The kiddo says, for sure, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to call up Charlie and see if he wants to eat lunch on the first day of school. Cool beans. You know, let's go through the pros and cons, maybe have a backup plan just in case. Um, One activity that I like to share for those kiddos who are asking a lot of questions, and I know I've talked about it on previous episodes before, but, you know, if they're asking lots of questions, who's going to be in my class? What teacher am I going to have? Is the bully going to be there? Is he going to be in my class? What are we going to do? Are my friends going to be there? Um, I know, you know, I've got allergies to peanuts. Who's going to be able to be there? Like with my EpiPen, who's going to have that? Where am I going to put it? What if my teacher doesn't know how to use an EpiPen? What if I can't access it myself? What if everyone's going to laugh at me? And uh, bah, 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 bah. Ooh, for all of those kiddos with all of those questions, your job is not to answer them. You can ask them, how are you going to answer that? Right. But I would actually have them the things that they don't know. Have them write them all down, all of the things that they're wondering about on one side of a piece of paper. So split it into two on one side of that paper. They're going to say all of the things that I don't know. Okay. And so you can have that. What I don't know at the top, all of the questions that that they don't know to um, who their teacher is, what friends are in their class that goes in that column. On the other side of the paper, they're going to write what I do know. As soon as they do know, you know, the answer to the things that they don't know. So if just take a step back. So things that they might know is maybe they already know what their first day outfit is for school, for example, or they know what school they're going to and what grade they're going to or whatever else. But for all of those things that they don't know in the don't know column, as they find those things out, they can draw arrows from that don't know column over to the do know column. So on that first day of school, when they come home, oh, I know who my teacher is. I know what friends are in my class. I know where my locker is. I know ba 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 ba. By doing this, they're learning that through their own experience, their questions are answered and they're learning that they can figure it out on their own for themselves. They don't need you answering, you know, filling up their answer bank all the time. So along those lines, we also want to have kids stretching out of their comfort zone. So if they're having questions about the future, that's what we can be doing. But in the meantime, we also want to be building their resilience. That's going to be really important. So stepping out of their comfort zones now for the rest of the summer is going to be really important so that they learn, I can handle uncertainty. I can tolerate uncomfortable feelings, all of that discomfort, because kids avoid anything that causes discomfort avoid worries and anxiety. 
in the moment, that's really reinforced because escaping in the moment helps relieve that discomfort and those worries in the moment. But over time, it only makes anxiety stronger because they're never learning how to actually tolerate all of those things that come up. And it makes it harder for kiddos to overcome whatever comes up the next time. Right. And and then they start developing this anticipatory anxiety, which they're overestimating something for sure is going to happen. And they're going to misinterpret the situation way out of proportion the next time. So to make that transition back to school as successful as possible, it's so important that now they are doing brave things every single day. They need as many opportunities as they can to develop confidence that they can handle whatever's thrown their way. So what are some things that they're avoiding now? Are they avoiding going on a hike in the mountains because of possible bears? Are they avoiding going swimming in the lake for, you know, whatever reason? Um, Are they avoiding walking themselves to the corner 7-Eleven to get themselves a bag of chips or whatever, or ice cream or whatever they want, right? So what is it that they're avoiding that they're not doing that they could be doing that's developmentally age-appropriate? developmentally appropriate. And then we're going to help them develop a repertoire of coping strategies to help them manage those emotions. So we really want them stretching, doing things that they're motivated to do because we can't force them to do. And if we're just saying, you must go do this, you know, they're just going to fight anyways, even if it was something that they wanted to. So we want to encourage these opportunities of things that might be challenging, but it doesn't even have to be scary things. It could even be um, giving them a difficult puzzle or a challenging, you know, riddle to solve. And their goal is to tolerate the frustration that comes up, uh, tolerate the I want to give up that comes up and persevere through that and really manage it. So you know, we want them to be able to drop into the body and recognize I'm so frustrated right now, or I'm really nervous right now. All of those things are important so that we can express them, but I'm going to continue persevering anyways. I'm still going to do whatever it is that I was setting out to do. Other, you know, proactive strategies, physical exercise, that's just going to be helpful to calm down that amygdala in the first place. I mean, they could do things as well just to manage, you know, this isn't stress uh, and anxiety strategies, but to over um, overall bring that ar- arousal level down, you know, journaling they could be doing, they could be having creative outlets. I always think, you know, anything creative can really help reduce our overall arousal level. Um, being able to talk about what's going on for them. I mean, you can do relaxation and all of those kinds of things. Now is actually a great time to start experimenting with some of those different things. Just what what makes them feel strong and confident at good, right? Creating that toolbox of coping skills now. So we know what's helpful for them just to overall bring that arousal level down can be really important. And that's going to help them, you know, once they get back to school, they're going to know how to manage that stress level, manage those anxiety levels in a really healthy, productive way. And part of this too is identifying you know, what, what else could they be doing for themselves? So stretching out of their comfort zones, maybe it's going and saying hi to, you know, for younger kids, saying hi to someone new at a park, seeing if they want to play together for your older kids. Maybe it's reaching out to a friend and saying, Hey, do you want to hang out today? Do you want to go for a coffee or go for a movie? Right. But we can also be looking at what are you doing for your kiddos that they could be doing themselves? 
You could be looking at what are they worried about going back to school? And if there's skills or things that they could be working on just to help them feel more successful, maybe we start practicing those. So for example, if they need to walk to school on their own for the first time, maybe have them practicing doing that now. If 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 they have to learn to wake up on their own, practice using an alarm clock or whatever is going to help them wake up now. That's really good for all kids to do. If they're not waking up on their own already, let's just start doing that now. If they need to ride the bus, you know, like find the bus stop and all of those things, are there ways that you can start practicing that now, right? That exposure and that background experience can really help moving forward. We also want to make sure we're shifting our focus. Our brain is wired to anticipate all of the bad things that could go wrong, right? So it's easy to get stuck in the what if this and what if that and what if this and ba 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 ba. So we need kiddos to kind of shift their focus and start getting excited to go back to school. We want to change that energy because if it's all negative, it's just going to be growing, you know, more and more overwhelming. So what is it that they look forward to going back to school? There's a lot of things to be excited about, like my new school outfit. Let's get excited going shopping for our back to school clothes. Let's get excited to see our friends that we haven't seen all summer, to see our favorite teachers we haven't seen all summer, right? My my youngest daughter is transitioning to junior high, so it's a whole new school. There's excitement about having a whole new repertoire of teachers, a whole new group of kids that she's going to meet. So identifying those things that they could get excited about, maybe talking about ideas for the first day of school, like something that we can do after school that's really special, or or maybe it's a special breakfast or a special lunch. Maybe there are things that we can do just to instill some of that excitement. So maybe, you know, yeah, a family outing or a celebration after their first day of school. Um, one thing that I always did for years for my kiddos when they were in elementary, and I'm probably going to do it for my one who's going to junior high is having a back to school party in the first couple of weeks of school. So they can invite, like see who's in their class, see who their friends are, right? We can then invite them over and just have some fun and, and help those help them to look for those good things. Even if they're scared on the first day, what are some good parts of your day? I want you to report back the three good parts of your day. Um, I love the back to school thing because that helps just developing those relationships early as well, but it also gives them, you know, something to look forward to. And if they are involved in, in planning it and organizing it, that's giving them some self-esteem boosters, confidence boosters, something important that that's meaningful for them that they're contributing to and, and, you know, taking responsibility for. Uh, we can also help sh- shift some of our focus by thinking of past successes. So there's lots of opportunities to recognize their strengths and their talents and any successes that they've had because they can use those things as a jumping point right to be able to create motivating mantras to help them you know face that back to school worries and, and manage those emotions effectively like i've done this before right even if it's the first time to preschool maybe they've talked remember when we went to the playground and met little susie right it's the same sort of thing Uh, Remember when you're in kindergarten, now we're starting grade one, it's the same sort of thing. So looking at those past successes, one thing definitely to remember is that when, when you're doing good, your kids are usually doing good too. And I've often talked about that. It's a little bit different in high school. There is some truth to that when you're doing good, they're doing good. There's a lot more, you know, 
lot more things that they have to worry about once they're in those teenage high school years. But I bring this up because managing your own stress and worries is important. We are our kids' greatest teachers. And from the time they're born, our kids are always watching us. They're watching our reactions to very situations. And kids often develop anxiety after watching their parents' own anxious behaviors. So we need to model being brave. We need to model being flexible. We need to model coping effectively. We need to model tolerating uncertainty. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm going back to work and I've got a new boss or, you know, I've been away and I'm a little bit nervous how much work is piled up. I don't know what's going on, but I can feel it in my body and I'm going to tolerate this. And this is the problem solving steps that I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to work through the workload when I get back from holidays or whatever it is, right? So we need to model those things. And even if you're not necessarily worried about anything, it's still good just to talk about things that you could be, right? So just say, no, I don't want you to lie per se, but you know, it's just, yeah, like I'm kind of nervous too. I'm at my cabin and I don't know what it's going to look like when I go back to work in the fall. And I'm really nervous how much work I actually have to do and how much traveling I'm going to be doing. So we can be modeling all of those things. So doing all of that really helps normalize that anxiety because our kids realize they're not the only ones. They're not alone in the world with all of these worries. They're not the only one, like, then they don't feel like, what is wrong with me? Why am I the only one? Why am I such a big baby? They learn that we all have these feelings and then they can start to discover on their own that they can handle stressful situations. I can see mom doing it and I'm going to learn those things. Or I can see dad doing this. I'm going to try that for myself. So figuring out what do you need as a parent to feel that you are fulfilled, that you're feeling supported, that your bucket is being filled. So it could even be modeling self-care. I'm really stressed or I get stressed. So this is the thing I'm doing over the summertime just to help bring that arousal level down and refill my bucket. Address and manage any back to school anxiety that you might be feeling. We see, I I see parents worried about, I don't know what their IPP and I don't know what their teacher and I don't know if they're going to have friends in their class, right? You and your kids are going to be way more effective if you're doing this together. And they're going to be more effective if you're able to manage your own stress and not, you know, uh, make it all go on to them, right? We don't want that to happen. So in front of your kids, whenever a stressful situation comes up, identify the problem. Work to assess the situation in a really objective and realistic way, right? Because stress and worries like to take things out of proportion and suck us into this, you know, tornado of worries. And it could even just be things like, you know, the heavy traffic or that's stressing you out or a blown tire or last night there was just a terrible windstorm where I am. I'm I'm at my cabin in the forest and there's this windstorm and I actually not much really scares me. But last night was like, I was off my beat a little bit, but I was terrified of trees falling down on me because I've heard of stories of trees falling and killing people. So I'm like (gasps) walking through this forest. And and to be quite honest, though, a tree actually did fall like three feet, not even three feet right behind me. I felt the, the, the wind of it and the impact. And I have a little puppy who just got scared out of his wits and ran all the way home. Uh, and wouldn't come outside. So, you know, that was maybe a valid worry, but nonetheless, right? That was something that I was worried about that this morning I was able to talk with my girls about and how I managed that. 
And, and I'm at the cabin alone right now. And last night I heard noises all around. It sounded like people were outside the cabin. I know it was little animals, but being able to talk to my kiddos, I was nervous about that. These are the things that I did just in case I just made sure I locked the windows and locked the doors, right? These are the things that I did just to be safe, just to make sure. So we're going to model our own problem-solving process and how we're going to address the situation or how we did address the situation if it was in the past. Um, Better yet, if it's something that you're dealing with right now, ask for their input, ask for their ideas. That's so empowering for them. And that's going to help build their problem-solving brain, especially, you know, when they can see the full picture, because when we're anxious, we're usually stuck in it. They can't see the full picture. That's why it can be really hard. But having the opportunity to problem solve somebody else's issues can be easier because they are able to see that whole picture. Um, So, you know, it is easy to get caught in the stress of that back to school sort of transition, but there's things that we can do. Look for as many opportunities that you can to build that resilience, stretch out of the comfort zone for yourself, for your kids, modeling all of those things. But, you know, cherish the rest of the summer as well. I think that that's really important. We still have some more time. Ring it off strong. That can be really helpful. Use this time to connect with your kids. Use this time to have some fun, even if you're working full time and aren't able to take any breaks in those little moments that you can. That's really important. Think about creating a tradition, right, of farewell to summer and ringing in the new school year. Those kinds of things can be really helpful as well. I'm going to leave it there for today. I'm going to continue on with more general tips for managing Um, the the transition back to school in general. Today was just kind of a broad overview of the worries piece, but I'm going to look at more practical things as well. I do have back to school guides. One that I'll put in the show notes for today is specifically managing school worries. And so I do have I think there's 15 steps that I've outlined of things that we can really be focusing on just to supplement, you know, the episode today, but things that we could be working on to help support our kiddos as they make that transition back to school. So I'll keep that in the show notes for you. So go have a lovely day, help those kiddos be bold and courageous, and I will see you next time. 